Welcome to Slapshot Podcast, episode number 25. I'm your host, Chris Ramirez. Thank you so much for joining me today. I am super stoked to be here because we get to talk about playoff hockey. That's correct. We have liftoff. The NHL playoffs have started. Life is slowly getting back to normal-ish in a sense. There is meaningful hockey that's being played in August. Now, if you would have told me this at the beginning of the year, I would have said, you're crazy. There's no hockey in August. That's when players take it easy. That's when players usually start, you know, training camps, we talk about it, all that kind of stuff. But no, the qualifying rounds have started. Um, The round robin tournament as well has started. And there is hockey all day, every day, which is, As a hockey fan, that's probably the greatest thing you could ever ask for, which is hockey all day. I can't get enough of it. I can't. I don't don't even care what I watch. Even if it's Nashville, Arizona, I'll watch it. There's just so much hockey. Um, The bubble looks amazing. The way that they've set up the NHL rink with all the screens and whatnot, the way they've tried to make it feel as quote-unquote normal as possible right the team's goal horns are there you know they still announce the goals they still they do everything trying to get it to be as realistic as possible without having any fans there right um before we get into the nhl and the play the rounds and everything and the teams that have played so far and you know the expectations and whatnot uh, I just want to congratulate Matt Dumba and the speech that he gave. If you haven't listened to his speech, you should take five minutes and listen to it because it was extremely powerful to see one person put his head out there to say what he did. Right? Matt Dumba is a black NHL player and his speech was strong because he did it as part of right the group that he that the nhl has allowed the players to put together to tackle you know racism and diversity in hockey and personally i think the nhl has not done enough when it comes to black lives matter and showing that they actually care it's one thing to just say you know we skate for and create a hashtag and do things it's another thing to to come together and really try something and i compare it a lot to the nba right the nba is obviously you know the the vast majority of their players are are black so it 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 makes sense that they've come out really strong in a sense where you know they don't wear their player names on the back of their jerseys they have you know they can put a a a slogan or they can put you know anything that they want and you see all the players kneeling together and it's really really tight and the nhl got some slack specifically teams because no no player was kneeling and again you don't have to in a sense if you don't want to right but not seeing anybody do it kind of just reminded me that the nhl is predominantly white and they're just trying not to ruffle anybody's feathers right that's what they want to do you just don't want to get in trouble you don't want to push the boundaries on anything. And the NHL does have a couple of black players. They are part of this. And what Matt Dumba did was he kind of followed and, you know, he he really put himself out there. You know, JT Brown did it once as well when he was part of Lightning. He put his fist in the air. And I think here's how I know there's something wrong, okay? So if you, you weren't on Twitter, at one point, Don Jr., Donald Trump Jr., quoted the NHL, one of their pictures where everybody's standing for the anthem, and thanked them for that. And it's at that moment that the NHL probably should have realized and said, hey, if Don Jr. is thanking us and appreciating something we've done, we're probably doing something incredibly wrong, right? When a racist is telling you that you're doing something pretty well, you might want to reevaluate what you're doing. And it was nice to see... In the Vegas game yesterday, Vegas and Dallas, right? Ryan Reeves took a knee. Robin Leonard took a knee, right? Dickinson took a knee. Tyler Sagan took a knee. And Tyler Sagan's done a lot of work in the Dallas, you know, in the Dallas community, you know, 
he's been to the protests and whatnot. And it was nice to hear him talk about it and say, you know, Ryan Reeves thanked him for the work that he was doing and that if he wanted to kneel with him and Leonard, he could. Sagan said, of course. He went into the room. He addressed it. He said what he was going to do it. And then Dickinson's, hey, I want to join you in that as well. That's that's having a conversation. And I think the, the most important thing to take away from that is not that these players knelt, but I wanted to focus specifically on Robin Leonard because Robin Leonard, if you don't know, at one point had Donald Donald Trump on his helmet. Okay. And he said it in his presser, right? Leonard loves America. And that's fine. You can love your country as much as you want. Americans are, you know, you are very patriotic. Trust me. I know this. I've seen it. When when I go to sporting events, I don't think I've ever been to a baseball game in the United States where they haven't thanked the military at some point and the men and women for their service, right? You can't get that wrong. When the national anthem goes, Americans will, I mean, I don't know if I've told this story, but I went, where was I? I went to watch the Mets play. I went to watch the Mets at their new city field. I think that was, yeah, man, it's been a while now. It's probably four or five years ago, at least. Anyway, it's not important. So I went, here I am, I right. I wanted to get something to eat, something to drink before the game. So I walk up, you know, I'm waiting in line here. It's not too long, obviously. Uh, City Field, by the way, beautiful, beautiful stadium. You should probably go. So I go, I'm waiting in line. The U.S. National Anthem is about to start. I get Now it's my turn to order. I tell the lady what I want, and she doesn't say anything. She doesn't say anything, doesn't move. Everybody has stopped moving. And... I kind of get confused here. And I didn't even realize the entire kitchen had stopped. Everybody in line had stopped because the U.S. National Anthem was starting. I had to wait until the entire anthem was done before the lady would take my order completely and go through with it. All I wanted was a hot dog and a soda, by the way. That's all I wanted to spend my $25 on. But it was at that point that I realized, I'm like, man, like this is a whole other level, right, for Americans, right? If you're, I've been to the Bell Center numerous times usually you get up and grab something during the national anthem it's not that we don't love canada by the way it's not that we don't love the canadian national anthem but i understand why americans may be offended when they see players doing this during the national it's rooted in the culture of what it is there it's rooted in it man so when people see Again, minorities in this case, and let's not forget, there's a racism problem in the United States. There's a racism problem in a lot of places. When they see this, if, if, if you're a racist and you love America and now you see your two you know, people disrespecting that love according to you, it's probably going to trigger you a lot, which is what probably triggers Don Jr. at night, right? <laughs> but it was nice to see... First of all, like I said, it was nice to see Dumba do what he did. I think he kind of got that ball rolling. And now it's important for the NHL to... First of all, I think the NHL should stop. I, I think all you know leagues should stop singing the National Anthem before games. I, I don't see why they do it anymore. Um, first of all, even if you sing the Canadian and the U.S. National Anthem, there's a large majority of those players who are not even from those countries, right? So it doesn't make it doesn't make a difference, right? If Genny Malkin is Russian, what does he care about the Canadian and U.S. national anthem, right? You're not singing the Russian national anthem either. Just scrap it. In the Olympics, I understand. You're representing your country. You are all playing for Team Canada, Team United States, Team Russia, Team Finland, Team Sweden. Fine, I understand that. But as a society, we do not sing the national anthem anywhere but sporting events and high school gymnasiums. That's it. I don't go to the cinema and wait for the national anthem to be sung. So I think they should just scrap this. I think I, I don't think it matters, right? Scrap that and do like the Cubs instead. Sing, you know, take me out to the ball game on the seventh inning. You know, that like that's more fun. That's a baseball song. That's just if you want to sing the national anthem, again, when I'm at home and the national anthem goes off, I'm not standing up. Rarely do I do. Rarely does anybody else around me stop so they can sing it. And again, of course. Keeping with Quebec's times, because in Quebec, if it's not done in French, like they people were offended that they didn't sing the Canadian national anthem, right? Usually half of it's in French, half of it's in English. And they complained that it was only sung in English, which, and then Jeff Molson asked the Pittsburgh Penguins if they could sing half of it in French, because apparently when you're the visiting team, you don't get that. So again, I feel like this causes more 
more harm than good, more problems than it needs to. Scrap the whole national anthem, sing it for a game. First of all, there's no fans there. You don't need it. Okay, give the players five extra minutes to warm up. Have them come on the ice. Announce the players' names, starting lineup. Line up, let's go. To me, it does make a difference. I don't care. I don't get offended when I see people kneel. I understand why they're doing it. And I think the NHL needs to be a leader in this because they keep talking about inclusion. But talk is real cheap, right? You got to start doing something about it. You got to really want to drive it home here. You got to really want to do something. And, you know, players standing in a circle isn't going to get it done. And like I said, if Don Jr. is congratulating you on doing something, that's probably the first sign you're doing it wrong. That's where I would have lifted my flag going, no, I don't think so. We got to do this again. So let's see if the NHL does something different. I expect them to be better. I expect more players to get together and really push this. And if it makes you feel uncomfortable, ask yourself why. Ask yourself why watching grown men kneel for social injustice pisses you off. Because A, it shouldn't. It should not. Everybody should have equal rights in this country. Everybody should be equal, and we're not, right? I do agree that all lives are important, but right now, black lives are not as important as white lives. And that's that's what black people are fighting for. I respect them, and I support them 100%. If they want to kneel for the rest of their lives in the U.S. National Anthem and Canadian National Anthem, go right ahead. Let's keep doing this until we're on equal terms. That's what I have to say about that. All right, so let's let's get into hockey here. It's been a crazy, crazy couple of days. So I broke down the Eastern Conference and Western Conference uh, qualifying rounds. Um, you can check that out at thefantasyfix.com. Okay, go and read it. I made my predictions um, for the qualifying rounds. The round robin, I kind of left it as is, right? Wasn't really worried about that. I'm just going to let it play out in its sense. Uh, but yeah, make sure you go over to thefantasyfix.com. Follow them on Twitter at thefantasyfix. You can see uh, my breakdowns there. I'll have them as well in the description of the video as well. So you can check that out uh, on YouTube, or the description of the video. But on YouTube in the description, you'll be able to check that out. So let's go through some of the series here. Um, I'll give you some of my thoughts Maybe some things that have changed since. And I'm going to start with the obvious here. I'm going to start with the game that I don't know how I want to describe this one. But the Rangers and Hurricanes. Now, I originally picked the Rangers. I thought the Rangers could win this series because Shesterkin was going to start. Well, he hasn't. Henrik Lundqvist has gotten the start. Um, and the Hurricanes lead the Rangers 2-0 in a series. They won game one, and they won game two, and they play game three. Today is Tuesday, August the 4th, so they play at 8 p.m. on August 4th. So by the time you listen to this, maybe you already know the result. But barring a miracle here, the Rangers are going to get swept in three. Um, You know, the Rangers' offense is kind of looking... In their first game, they looked like they were a step behind the Hurricanes. They really were. And the Hurricanes defense has played well. Sammy Votnin's played well. Shveshnikov has been really good. Aho's been really, really good as well. Just, you know, this this Rangers team without good goaltending is not really good. And the Hurricanes are just taking it to them and doing what they want to do. So, yeah, just... I don't see the blue shirts coming back here, taking three straight. But... We'll see. We will see, but I'm not. I'm not confident. Is all I'm saying here. Uh, so yeah, that series is a shame. Like I said, I picked the Rangers here. I really don't think that was my bad on that. I just I didn't. I expected Shesterkin to start, and he didn't. So that was the difference here. Um, Islanders and Panthers. The Islanders took game one, two, one. It was a pretty tight game. Uh, they play again. Today on the 4th at 12 p.m. So by the time you listen to this, you'll probably know the results. I think the Panthers still have a chance. It was a close game. It was a really close game. But a lot of these games have been really, really close, right? Except for one 
game, basically. One series, which has not been. But the Islanders are pretty good defensively. I think the Panthers played well. I think Bobrovsky played well. I think they still have a chance here. And I'm still convinced that this series goes five games. Who ends up winning it is kind of a coin toss at this point. But I think this is a pretty even matchup in itself. And it's probably going to come down to which team can score you know, more than one goal per game here. That's probably what it's going to come down to. I don't see this series... I, I don't see like a... A 5-1 game at any point. I don't... I mean, not from the Islanders' part. Defensively, they're pretty good. Their goaltending is pretty strong. I think Florida's defense, not as great. I think their goaltending is the wild card there, right? Bobrovsky let in one kind of softy, but he was he was pretty good. Considering he had a... Right? In the preseason game, he was pretty bad. As You know, he's pretty bad. And this season's been... He's been an absolute dumpster fire. So it was nice to see him play well. Didn't get rewarded with the win, but I think it's still close enough. I think this series, again, could be a coin toss, but it's one I will enjoy watching. I know low-scoring games to a lot of people is not what they want to see. They want to see goals, but in playoff hockey, it's fine to me. And segue here, speaking of playoff hockey, I know a lot of people are getting annoyed. (laughs) Annoyed that the fact that there are penalty being called out everywhere. People are calling referees terrible and whatnot, and that's fine. Personally, I have no problem with referees handing out penalties and bunches. I think it was the Rangers-Hurricanes game. Like, they just kept handing them out, right? In Montreal's game against Pittsburgh, I think Pittsburgh had seven power play chances in their first game, right? And there was a time not too long ago, I know it feels like ages because COVID has gone on for what seems to be ages, but... Remember when the playoffs used to show around and then referees would lose their whistle and the only way you could get a penalty is if like you got stabbed in the neck with a skate kind of thing or if you put the puck over the glass? Like in that Habs-Pittsburgh game, for a referee to call a penalty shot, if he penalty shot with three minutes left in the third period was mind-boggling. To give one in overtime was almost sent me into orbit because I was like, wow. He, he, I mean, the first penalty shot to Sherry should have never existed. I mean, he gave the second one to Drouin because how could you not after giving one to Sherry, right? But to me, I want referees to be one thing and that is consistent. I don't care if they consistently don't call it. I don't care if they consistently call it. But I think... I just, I, I, I want them to be consistent. That's it. And so far, referees have been consistent in calling penalties. We haven't always agreed with them. Some of them seem a little iffy, but they're giving out penalties and they're not afraid to give out penalties. Yesterday in the Edmonton game, right? Five on threes. There's been some five on threes. So referees are giving penalties. And I hope that this trend continues later on. In the quarterfinal rounds, in the semifinal rounds, in the finals rounds, in the Stanley Cup finals as well. I don't want this to go and then all of a sudden referees lose their whistle again. You may not like the the penalties, right? That there's no five-on-five hockey going on. I mean, again, Montreal last night, I mean, they spent all this time in the penalty box. Game one, they spent, you know, Phil Deneau took three penalties. Second game, it was Joel Armia's turn to take, you know, set up shop in the penalty box. I know people want to watch 5-on-5 hockey. I want to watch it too. But I would much rather have referees call penalties, set the boundaries, than let things go. Because if you let penalties go, well, now you got to decide which ones you're letting go. And I don't want you to decide which ones. I want you to call them. If it's a penalty in the book, call it. It might be a little iffy, but if you call all the iffy things, just be consistent with it. That's all I'm asking referees to do is to be consistent. If you're going to be consistently good, be it. If you want to be consistently garbage, fine. Be consistent. That's all we all we should be asking referees. That's my segue point on that so people can stop complaining about referees. Because like I said, there was a time in life when referees would call nothing. And now people are also complaining that they're calling everything. So if you can't make everybody happy, just continue calling penalties and you can piss everybody off at once.
speaking of the Canadians, we'll go there here. Um, Carey Price has basically been standing on his head, which I think surprises absolutely nobody um, because why would it? Of the teams who have played two games so far, okay, um, Carey Price has the most shots against. He also has the most saves. He's got a 951 save percentage, which is pretty, pretty elite, right? Pretty elite here. There's obviously, it's a small sample size, right? He's played two games. I think, I think the Montreal Canadiens go as far as Carey Price goes, right? And again, in last night's game, real close, right? You you can't give Sidney Crosby that kind of room because he's going to burn you. He's got two goals in two games here. I mean... The goal that Zucker scored from Shiri, I think he's expecting the shot. Comes out of pass, they score a goal, right? Montreal's problem here is they're not they're not getting enough shots on goal. That's their problem here. Because Matt Murray's looked really I mean, looked really good. Montreal hasn't challenged him enough. For a guy who has struggled a lot during the regular season, right? They haven't really done enough to challenge him. And look, he's got a Murray's got a 914 save percentage, 243 goals against average. He's pretty, you know, he's been decent. He's stopped 58 of 62 shots. That's not bad. It's not bad. The, the, the numbers on paper don't look crazy good, but they're 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 perfectly fine. You know, put it into context. Peter Morazic's also played two games. He's had 50 shots against. Carey Price has had 38 more shots. In the same two games. Blue shirts aren't taking any shots. Carey Price has had to stand on his head. And in, in game one, I think he made, what, 18 saves in the first period? And give Montreal's penalty kill some credit. Pittsburgh's power play has not done any damage. They're operating at, what, 8%, I think? Like, Pittsburgh's not even rolling yet. Like, they're not all the way up to where they should be. I feel like they, they still have, like, two more levels to get to. And yeah, look, I had predicted Pittsburgh in four. So at this point, the theory stands here. Game three is obviously going to be a crucial game here. Okay, Habs are going to be the home team here. right? Montreal is the road team for these two games. Montreal is going to be the home team, quote-unquote, here. So they're going to get the last change. It's going to be important, right? Because you want to limit Crosby's play. You know, Malkin's played well. I've, I've seen some criticism of Evgeny Malkin. And I'm sitting there going, have we been watching the same hockey game? Like sure, like Malkin's had a, a million different kind, a million different kinds of shots on that, right? It hasn't translated into many points yet, but he hasn't been terrible. He has no points. He has fifteen shots on goal. He's played on average about six minutes on the power play, right? He's sixty percent on the faceoff circle. Yeah, he's got 15 shots. He's got 15 shots in two games here, okay? Two. He's averaging seven and a half shots per game. Like, I understand people are asking more from Malkin, and it's and it's fine, but I feel like he's he's doing stuff. He hasn't gotten there yet. And like I said, he's been really good, and he hasn't really got there yet. You know, Crosby's got two goals. He's got only nine shots. Crosby's taken a lot more faceoffs as well. He's played about six minutes as well on the power play. 53% of the face. Like, you know, it's been pretty good here. It's been pretty good. I don't know. I, I, I don't know why people are giving. I don't know why they're giving him such a hard time. I don't know why they're giving Malkins such a hard time. And for Montreal, I think the secret here, first of all, Yasperi Kakanyemi has looked amazing. He has looked, he is, I was telling somebody, who is that? I played hockey on Sunday. I was telling somebody, I said, Kakanyemi at first, when I was watching him skate during the regular season, right? He looked like this lanky kid who just couldn't, with, with an oversized stick, who couldn't figure it out. And now he is, you watch him skate, he looks so fluid. Everything looks so easy. And 
right? He's got two goals in two games. I mean, the first one basically fell off his chest. The second one was, you know, a guy around the net doing stuff. He's got two goals. He's got four shots. So he's, I mean, every second shot goes in the net, which is nice. Here's the problem for me. He's got, he's averaging 12 minutes on, 12 minutes of ice time. And he's playing one, a minute 36 average on the power play. I mean, look, if you're going to give him, if, if you're going to give this kid no opportunity to do something, then you're going to give him no opportunity to do something, right? Claude Julien? I feel like maybe, maybe giving Kock and Yemi some better wingers might probably help him out. I don't know about you. The same thing goes for Suzuki. Suzuki's playing a lot more, by the way. Suzuki's playing, averaging about 21 minutes a night, which is fine. Suzuki only has three shots in two games, though. I'd like to see him shoot the puck more. I'd like to see Montreal collectively shoot the puck more. Okay. I would enjoy that. Now, there's a lot of centermen going, you know, in, in Montreal, and they have no idea where to put all of them. But again, get, you know, playing Domi on the fourth line is, isn't really going to get him going. When you're burying him with Jordan Wheel and Dale Weiss, you're not going to get much. And again, back to the Kak and Yemi point. You know, Paul Byron's not necessarily an offensive juggernaut, and Aturi Lekkanen isn't either, right? Suzuki's playing in the middle. Droy has been, you know, he's been him. Armia has his flashes of offense here. Personally, I would like to see Kakanyemi play between Gallagher and Tatar, or Suzuki between those two. I would. I would get Dano off the top line. I know what he brings. I know people look at him as the, you know, as a cheap man's version of, you know, Patrice Bergeron, to be honest, right now, Phil Deneau's not bringing anything offensively. You have you have to win three games in a best of five, so you got to figure it out, right? They didn't generate much, which is kind of the problem here. Montreal didn't generate enough of anything. And you have to make Matt Murray's life difficult. You have to. Montreal had seven shots in the first period of of their second game. They had six in the second. You have 13 shots in two period. Pittsburgh had 14 in the first alone. Now Montreal had no choice. They had 14 in the third period because now they had to now they start to throw things at the net, right? And then they got rewarded. But again, you you have to test Matt Murray. You have to. You have no choice. And I just think that Montreal's setup that they have now is just not getting it done. It's not getting it done. You got to generate some offense here, Claude. Get somebody else going there. Anyways, we'll see how that goes. But so far, Montreal's got to make some changes here. Uh, Blue shirts we did here. Uh, Yes, Toronto, Columbus. Everybody was quick to talk about Toronto and their offense. And then the Blue Jackets came out first of all John Tortorella threw us a curveball by starting Corpusalo over Merzlikens didn't want to tell us why um I I said this in my breakdown I'm going to say it again the Columbus Blue Jackets on paper are not as good as the Toronto Maple Leafs but on the ice the Blue Jackets are equal to the Maple Leafs because the Leafs are all offense Columbus is a structured team and they suffocated the Leafs in the neutral zone and in the offensive zone the Leafs had nowhere to go they couldn't figure it out Columbus took time and space away from their better players and in the end it gave them exactly what they needed because Columbus had 35 shots on goal here and Freddie Anderson was decent he was good you know, he gave up a kind of the soft one at first, which gave them a one nothing lead, but he was good. He was better than I expected. But Toronto had 17 shots in two periods. Not enough. Not enough. Why? Because they couldn't find space. And, I mean, Leafs, Leafs Twitter nation is just going off here on Marner and Matthews and Tavares and, you know, Willie Nylander. They're, they're just going off. All this money and they're not doing anything. Look, the Leafs have no space. And if they don't adapt, they're not going to win. Columbus is a much better structured team. 
they're healthy now, and they play a style where they're going to wait for their chances. Columbus in that game, okay, I mean, they took one penalty. In a, right, all these games seem to have 9 million penalties in them. Columbus took one. So they gave Toronto's power play one chance in the second period to do something. That was it. They are a disciplined team, and they play the structure exactly to John Tortorella's liking. John Tortorella is going to suffocate the Leafs' offense. And the Leafs are going to have no solution to this. I picked Columbus to win. I stick with that. And that first game showed me just how much work the Leafs are going to have to do to get this. The Leafs could probably outscore Columbus on any given night. But they have to, they have to generate that offense. They have to generate that pace. I expect Toronto to control the pace of play and just try to bend that Columbus team. But they're not going to break. Columbus is not going to break. They're too good for that. They're going to force Toronto to play in the corners, to cycle the puck, to get things going. They're not going to give Matthews, Marner, Tavares, all these guys. They're not going to give them space to just fly through the neutral zone. It's going to be boring hockey. It's going to be trap hockey. They're going to clog the neutral zone. Get it deep. Try to get it. Try to do something. One-on-one battles. Columbus is going to win most of them. I like this Columbus team, and I think they can do some damage. But yeah, not shocked by what went on in that first game. I expect it to continue. Uh, That's the Eastern Conference here. Let's go over to the West. Uh, Let's start with the Arizona Coyotes and the National Predators. I didn't expect seven goals in that game, right, in game one. Uh, I also did expect uh, Nashville to fire, what was it, like 40-plus shots on goal. They had 43 shots. They had 20 in the third period. Darcy Kemper was good, and he needed to be. It was nice to see Nashville's offense come up. And again, Nashville's problem right now is their goaltending. UC Saro started, which I thought was interesting. He deserved it, but I thought they would have gone to Pecorine. But, I mean, Philip Forsberg scores in the first period with three seconds left. If not for that goal, Nashville goes into the right the first intermission down 3-0. You cannot fall... 3-0, down 3-0 and expect good things to happen, right? It was nice to see, you know, Arizona's top line kind of coming out and doing things and getting goals. You know, they scored, Arizona scored two goals at 5-on-5. Five five. They scored one power play goal. They scored a shorthanded goal, right? They did a lot of stuff. And Arizona got themselves in trouble because they gave up two power play goals. So if you take those power plays away, good things happen. Philip Forsberg showed that he can... You know, produce, which I think he can. And, you know, Roman Yossi was Roman Yossi. But again, I think UC Saros got better as the game went on. But you cannot give up three goals in the first period and expect good things to happen here. That's the problem for Nashville. I expect them to, again, to try to fire the puck a lot. I expect them to have the same type of, you know, compete level. And I really do expect Arizona to tighten things up defensively. Because you cannot give up 43 shots a night. As good as Darcy Kemper is, you you cannot give up that kind of shot volume. It's impossible. It's impossible to have good results with that. But that series I thought was going to be an absolute dumpster fire. It was pretty interesting to watch. So my apologies to the Nashville and Arizona community. That was actually a pretty good game. I'm excited to see that they play today, right? August 4th, 2.30 Eastern. I'm excited to watch that game. I'm excited to see what goes on. Um, Vancouver, Minnesota. Wow. Um, Man, Minnesota just, I feel like I don't, like I feel like I don't know why they're here. And then they came out and, you know, Jared Spurgeon had two goals. And I mean, Kevin Fiala has been red hot since coming over. I mean, Vancouver had nothing. They had nothing. Vancouver had four. They're losing. You're losing two nothing after two in the third period. Vancouver had four shots. Like, what do you want to do with four shots? Vancouver, Vancouver's offense is clearly better. I think their defense as well is better, and their goaltending is better. Yet for some reason. Minnesota's defense is scoring goals. Their offense looked a whole lot better. And Alex Stalock walks out with a shutout. Okay. I picked 
Vancouver to win in this series. I think that was a wake-up game maybe for Vancouver to say, hey, we didn't play well and we cannot replicate we cannot have another bad game like that. They can't, by the way. They like they need to do something better. Because boy were the Canucks bad. They were just they were not good. <laughs> not not good. And I'm going to give credit, man. Alex Stalock came out and did what he needed to do. I don't think he's terrible. I just, I mean, I don't think he's a number one goalie. I think Vancouver didn't play well enough to win, which they didn't. And they looked just, they looked flat. They looked flat. I'm sticking with my Vancouver pick here, but man, I need to see a lot more from them before I can start loving them again. Um, speaking of a lot of love here, the Winnipeg Jets and the Calgary Flames, they played two games to 1-1 split here. Um, you know, the Jets looked really bad in game one. They looked atrocious. Like, Calgary was doing whatever they wanted with them. They lost Mark Shifley early. Um, we don't know what the injury is. It looks like it could be a cut, but good luck getting any information from any NHL coach at this point here. Um... Shifley was a no-go in Game 2. Line was a no-go in Game 2. And for some reason, the Jets walked out with a 3-2 win. That is huge there. Connor Hellebuck played really well in Game 1. You know, he didn't get the support that he needed. I thought he played really well again in Game 2. Connor Hellebuck is, you know, he can get it done. He can definitely get it done. He's a really good goalie. I, I mean... Calgary didn't have enough on net. They had 30 shots in game two, okay? Which is obviously not enough to beat the, you know, Vezina candidate, Connor Hellebuck. You need a lot more than that. You absolutely need a lot more than that. They had 33 shots, which is not great. But again, in game one, Winnipeg had 18 shots total. Where are you going with 18 shots? Where are you going with 18 shots? Where? What are you going to do with that? I'm telling you, the, play, the the Jets looked terrible in Game 1. They looked much better in Game 2, which was surprising because they were missing, you know, 33% of their top six. I still think the Jets can win this. You know, the, the status, the word around Mark Shifley is, you know, he may be back, he may not. I don't know if they're just playing head games here. I mean, he could be gone for the remainder of the playoffs. I don't know how severe the cut is. Also, I don't think there was any intent on Kachuk's part, right? I don't think he in, intended to cut. Like a lot of people are saying it's like Matt Cook on Eric Carlson when he cut his tendon. And like, no, it's not that. I understand the reputation that Kachuk gets, right? He's a super pest. But I don't think that was intentional. His goal is to get under your skin and he does that really well. And for Winnipeg, it's going to make sure that they don't get caught up in that game, right? You can't get caught up in Kachuk's game. Because he can burn you on the score sheet. You know, he fought Blake Wheeler, which was, you know, he didn't have to. And he says, all right, we'll do this. Like, his job is to get his team going. And he does it really well. He does. Matthew Kachuk, I mean, he already has four points in the series, right? So he's doing a lot of everything. He's all over the score sheet. He's all over it. And he will continue to be all over the score sheet. I just think for... From Winnipeg's perspective, they have to continue to play their game. They have to continue to drive pucks. If you're missing pieces out there, man, you got to get the puck deep and you got to find a way to score those dirty goals. You got to find a way to score those dirty goals, man. Like, you know, Cam Talbot has started both games. You know, Connor Hellebuck's been really good, like I said. I don't think we're going to see Brassois any moment. (laughs) David Riddich might maybe get a start if Cam Talbot's absolute trash but unlikely at this point very unlikely but a real character win for the Jets there in game two I liked what they did I like how they played I thought they did everything they needed to do to get the job done so good for them they have a quick turnaround they play again today Wednesday 645 uh, not Wednesday we're Tuesday today 645 Eastern so I'm excited to see what that looks like. Really excited. I'm also ex- I'm also like I, I want to see 
if Mark Shifley, if Mark Shifley doesn't play today, then I think the injury is maybe a little bit more serious than we think it is. But the Jets are going to need Shifley in the lineup if they want to have a chance to win. They're going to need Lion A as well. They need their big boys to be there. They need all the offense they can get to score goals because they're so far their defense has been, you know, average. I mean, Hellebuck's given up seven goals in two games, right? But he's still keeping his team in it. And that's all you can ask your goalie to do right now, right? Carey Price stands on his head so we can give Montreal a chance to win. Connor Hellebuck's probably going to have to do the same for his team for it to happen. But yeah, super. That's a fun series that I want to that I try to watch as much as possible. These Western Conference games are, you know, there's something. I enjoy watching them. Finally, the Oilers and the Blackhawks. To nobody's surprise, this has been the highest scoring series so far. The Blackhawks won the first game 6-4, where Dominic Kubalik had five points in a game. And then Connor McDavid said, hey, calm down, boy. Uh, Connor McDavid ends up scoring three goals in the second game so that they always beat the Blackhawks 6-3. I think I went with Edmonton. And Edmonton goes as far as Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl go. I mean, that's that's literally the understanding here, right? They go as far as they go. The Edmonton Oilers have no defense. Their offense is almost invisible. Um, Leon Dreisaitl only has three points in two games. Connor McDavid has four goals, two assists. He has six points. Nugent Hopkins has a goal, five assists. Um, you know, those three players are playing over 21 minutes, almost close to 21 minutes per game. They're both playing a ton of minutes on the power play. They don't they're like they're doing everything they need to do. Drysaddle only has four shots in two games. I think he needs to be taking a couple more shots here. But like for Chicago in their game in their first game, I mean Jonathan Taves, Kubalik, and everybody, they were, you know, they were good. They came out and they did some things. Like, they were taking it to the pace. I mean, Mike Smith is hashtag not good. Like, I don't know why he got that start. Koskinen's not any better, but, I mean, he's not as bad as Mike Smith here. This series is going to see a ton of goals, okay? A ton. And both goalies are going to look really, really bad. Both of them. It's not really going to matter much. I think Koskinen is going to get the majority. I mean, he, he should get all the starts going, you know, past this point here. I don't see Mike Smith ever getting a chance to go again. Um, you know, for Chicago, for Corey Crawford, it's it's simple here, right? He's given up 10 goals. He's going to have to do... I mean, McDavid is a cheat code. If, if you haven't seen his goals history, go back and watch them. The second one is him. He bats the puck out of the air. He takes off down the middle of the ice like a freight train, and he just flips it over Crawford. Backhand. Yeah, backhand, I think. I mean, you can't stop him. You just have to try and limit him. You cannot give Connor McDavid two feet of space because he will burn you with a foot and a half. (laughs) Watching McDavid skate, it's like, it's like in minor hockey, you know, when you're like six, seven years old, there's that one kid who can skate really, really fast. So he picks up the puck in his own zone. And he just skates past everyone. Like that's McDavid at the NHL level. Like McDavid is too good to play in the NHL kind of thing. He is so fast. He makes good defensemen look terrible at the NHL level. He's not burning the American Hockey League or the East Coast League you know, or the Finnish Elite League. He's burning the NHL League. He's burning NHL players. He is on a whole other level. And the Edmonton Oilers are going to need him. They need him and Dreisaitl to do whatever they can do. Because this team goes as far as those two. The rest of whoever is on that team, okay, they're just there to make sure you know, you, you kind of need to fill out a lineup, right? Yamamoto hasn't done anything yet. Kind of didn't see him yesterday much, right? Tyler Ennis has got 
a goal, fine. Chason's got one. James Neal picked up. He's got two goals in two games playing on the fourth line, but he's seeing power play time. But it's mostly Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisel. It's good to see Ryan Nugent Hopkins pick up there. But again, if McDavid's torching, I expect his wingers to do as well, right? Nugent's got five assists in two games so it's simple give the puck to mcdavid let mcdavid figure out what needs to be done or if you're on the power play well give it to dry or mcdavid let those two figure it out chicago's got to find a better way to slow down mcdavid i know that's the toughest task in the world right now you have a better chance at curing coronavirus right now than you do at slowing mcdavid down but you have to find a way you cannot let him run crazy on the ice because when he does you can't saw He doesn't need his line mates. McDavid just needs them to just throw the puck where he is and then he's going to finish it. Like he was on a mission in game two. He was on a mission. In that first period, he was out there. And Chicago doesn't have this. They don't have a Conor McDavid. They have a Jonathan Taves. They have a Patrick Kane. Those are very good players. Kubalik, Debrinkat. They have pieces. They can definitely score goals. And again, Miko Koskinen is better he is better than Mike Smith, but like Smith is an absolute trash can here. So you have to take advantage of Koskinen and shoot the puck. If you're Chicago, you got to fire pucks on net everywhere. You got to get it done. You know, Edmonton's defense, ooh, not that great. Chicago's bottom six has to contribute here because that's where you're going to get the most success. You're going to get a lot of success taking advantage of Edmonton's bottom six because Chicago had some look the, 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 I mean Kirby Darks has three points he's got three assists how many points is Darsh he, he 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 did pretty well here yeah he's got three assists in two games whatever I mean there's some support coming here for them they got to get it done Chicago had 26 shots on goal in the second game, which is, it's an all right number, but they need more than that. They can definitely get more than that. Chicago gave up a lot of shots per game, right? Defensively, they're not the same, you know, they're not great, but Chicago had 42 shots in game one. They fired everything at the net, every single thing. They didn't do that in game two. So there's probably a problem. That needs to be addressed there. You got to shoot the puck more. Edmonton's not. Edmonton's goalies are not good enough to stop the puck, right? And Corey Crawford's going to need to. He's going to need to stand on his head at some point. I know he gave up. I mean, he gave up four in the first game. Now he gave up six here. It's not as. I mean, look, he's got the toughest task in the world. He's playing on a team that gives up a ton of shots, and he's got to face off against McDavid, Drysaddle, Nuge, and all those other elite. No, that's it. There's no other elite players on that team. <laughs> He's got a tough task, but he's he, he's he's got to do something, man. He's he's got to steal one for his team here. That's the only way the Blackhawks get past this, because the Oilers. Yeah, I mean, like I said, if you have to count on McDavid to get two, three goals a night, or pick up three points, he's up to the task. He can definitely do it against Chicago. Maybe later on, I, I don't think Edmonton is a Stanley Cup contending team, but I mean. Edmonton can do what they need to do for now. And that's rely on Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl to get him as far as humanly possible. But I think Chicago is going to tighten up a little bit here. And I think they're going to make this a series at some point. I think they are. It's tied 1-1. So now it's a you know two of three here. Their next game is on Wednesday. So we'll see, uh, we'll see how that goes there. And uh, yeah, that wraps up the qualifying rounds in the East and the West. And that wraps up our podcast as always thank you for listening um, make sure you follow the podcast on twitter at slapshot podcast make sure you follow me on twitter at fuzzy chris 91 if you're into nhl dfs i've been doing a couple of live streams over on youtube so if you follow me on facebook make sure you head over to my youtube channel and you subscribe that way you know when i go live and you can watch it if you're big into nhl dfs and daily fantasy sports come hang out i talk about you know my the way i build lineups the information that i'm looking at um all the things i'm doing there i usually try to do it before lock 
Um, usually it's a lot easier on Saturday and Sundays because there's a lot longer slates. Do it from 10 to 12 on Saturday. I did it from 10 to 12 on Sunday as well. Uh, 10 a.m. to 12 uh, p.m. Eastern. So come check that out if you want. Even if you don't play NHL DFS, just come over, hang out, watch, sit back, grab your coffee, do what you got to do. But yeah, check that out. If you follow me, like I said, on Twitter, I post the link there. You can get it in real time. Uh, Like I said, it's a real-time breakdown. I share my screen. I do all the things. I show you a little bit of what I do. We have good conversations with good people and everything. So come hang out. Come enjoy that. Like I said, follow the podcast. You can get it on Podbean. You can get it on Stitcher. You can get it on Spotify. You can get it on YouTube. You can get it on Apple Podcasts. Um, It's available anywhere you want it. As always, thank you all for listening. Thank you all for the feedback. Thank you all for the positive comments. It's always super great. Subscribe and rate to the podcast on your favorite platform. That really helps spread the podcast. If you know somebody who likes hockey, who likes podcasts and stuff, share the podcast with them. Let them know that you listen to this. Let me know how much you hate the podcast. Let me know how much you love it and hate it or hate it, whichever one. Pick one. doesn't matter. If you don't like it, that's cool. Just leave a five-star rating as well. (laughs) But yeah, um, thank you so much for listening. Keep enjoying the NHL podcast. Continue to social distance. Wear your mask. Wash your hands. And we will see each other again soon. Bye-bye.